Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Lajos, Ken Levin, Thomas Henderson, and we have a special guest this week from Baseball Prospectus, Jared Seidler. Guys, um, it is draft night. The draft is currently in progress. The Mets have made their selections. It's late. What's going on? I'm watching the um, the draft stream muted because I don't particularly want to listen to Harold Reynolds talk about guys he's learning the name of for the first time <laughs> while comping them to Ken Griffey Jr. and or other players. I'm pretty sure they were flashing clips of Ken Griffey next to like Chase DeLauder. So, <laughs> I mean, I see it. I'm like, all right. Okay, guys, let's... Uh, I like Chase Delado. Let's pop the brakes a little bit. They made a cross-racial comp. I'm impressed. Oh, true. <laughs> you know, now that you say it, it might have actually been for Collier instead. I, I Clearly, I'm not paying any attention to what these people have to say. <sighs> anyway, right, so, thanks for yeah. tuning in to listen to what a bunch of schmucks have to say. I mean, we are... We, we have some weight now, so uh-huh. our, our schmucky opinions matter. Four schmucks and Jared. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely a schmuck. Most people would call me a bigger schmuck than you guys. Um, 
ESPN broadcast actually hasn't been bad. Like it, it has it's it has some focus and production problems, but at least everybody on the stage knows what they're talking about, which is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'd rather that. Like right. I'll I, I'll trade re- that. Yeah, I really like Kyle Peterson um, as an analyst. You know, I really like Eduardo Perez as an analyst. Um, yeah, Perez is good. Kyle, Kyle McDaniel certainly knows all these guys. Um, mm-hmm. better than pretty much anybody. So, you know, it's been a decent broadcast. Um, I also have it muted so I can join this podcast. Yeah, the Mets floated a top three to five player to 11, which is um, also what they tried to do last year and also why they have the 11th <laughs> pick this year. Um, so <laughs> let's hope they have his medicals this time. Um, uh, let's not even get into that. Yeah, but Comprado <laughs> was largely expected to go, I think, either third or fifth to um, either the Rangers, who in fact took Kumar Rocker at number three in a pick I don't think anybody saw coming, or to the Nationals at five, who took Elijah Green, who was another guy that was rumored to have some Mets interest on a float, and they floated Parada down. I certainly imagine he was their guy. I certainly imagine that's going to be a significantly overslot. Um, signing. He is a draft eligible sophomore. Um, he's one of the younger the younger players in the class in the college ranks. Um, now it's b- true though, good. right? It's the they they kind of they better have their ducks in a row here because if they don't sign Parada, no ec- no comp pick this time. No, no, no the comp the comp pick they still get a comp pick next year, but then they next do? year's pick would be unprotected. Yes, oh. they changed they changed that. Um, oh, now okay. Pick for two years. Ah. Um. Again, I I would certainly strongly suspect that they already have an overslot deal there. Um. And I don't think Jet Williams is going to be tremendously underslot in fourteen. He was a guy. Jet Williams has been connected to the Mets for three months. They've been all over him. Um, I know Thomas is not a particularly big fan. I love Jeb Williams. I think he's one of the five or six best players in this draft. I just, I don't see the ceiling. We'll we'll talk about it in a little bit, but like the ceiling for me is where I'm a little confused. Not like I get the the floor and the tools and all that stuff. And I think he's an exciting player. It's just, he's so tiny that I don't know where the power is going to come from, but there's tiny players who get home runs, you know, I've laid this out, um, kind of where my paradigm is just into evaluating hitting prospects recently. And it's ability to make consistent contact and it's quality of contact. And he rates incredibly high on contact metrics for a prep hitter. And he makes really good contact. Like he actually does hit the ball hard. He has a really nice swing too. Like mm-hmm. yeah. visually. I mean, yeah. we've been seeing those comments on Twitter for, I don't know, months at this point that, oh, yeah, Williams has some nice exit feelers for a high school hitter, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, not that we've seen the full data because, again, we're just a couple schmucks, but that's uh, certainly something that I'm excited for. Uh, and not, you know, he's less than five foot eight. He's not five. If you're less than five foot eight, you're not five foot eight. We know, we all know that. Um, if this kid was six foot one, six foot two, um, he's basically right-handed Jackson Holiday in terms of skill set, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So and yeah. Jackson Holiday was the first overall pick. He's going in the top two, three, four picks if he's a little bit taller. And I just I I know there's been some speculation within the industry that maybe we've overcorrected on small hitters that may, you know because there are still some 
physical disadvantages just in be, being able to like generate bat speed without arm length and stuff like that. But you know, I, I this height really, you know, height doesn't matter. Measure hard. Really <laughs> oh my today. god! Like, you know, like, uh, but, you know I. There's there's certainly been a plethora of good hitter of good smaller hitters that have hit for power, you know. Um uh, you look at Ozzy Albies who kind of has a similar type of frame. Um and he certainly has had no problem hitting for power and he didn't even have any kind of real power protection at the prospect. He started hitting for power in the majors. I was like Altuve has nineteen home runs this year or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's I Jose Altuve is such a weird guy to comp ever. You know, you go a little further back, Dustin Pedroia. These guys all hit for substantial power. Um, and I don't really see any reason why Williams can't, other than the beggaries of drafting an 18-year-old who's been playing in the Texas prep competition. But you look at the, the analytics that he had on the showcase circuit, they were really good. The two guys in this draft, and the Mets were connected to both of them, and were Zach Neto and... Um, Jet Williams that had like the really strong combination of contact and how hard they hit the ball, but had something wrong. You know, Neto had a weird swing and Williams is five foot six ish, probably. Yeah, I'd um, say that. I'd say about so, yeah. So they, I think the Mets made out great here. I am fantastic. We are recording this in between the uh, picks. I am fantastically curious what they do with their next two picks tonight because they could go in one of two directions. They're either blowing the draft pool, in which case I didn't just call my shot with the strategy but pick the right team, and you're never going to hear the end of it from me. Um, <laughs> um, that's going to be insufferable forever, Jared. Yeah. Or they're cutting, in which case you know you might see – um, you might see somebody like Ben Joyce here who has, who's going to take like a six figure bonus in the second round. Um, or, the, or they might do what they did with like the Matt Allen draft where they continue to make, um, picks as long as they can and then start signing like $5,000 guys later on. But, um, I definitely think you're going to, you know, look, if they, you know, float, you know, two of like Brock Porter, Noah Schultz and Walter Ford to their next two picks are obviously blown they can't sign everybody at that point um and i personally would like that for my own personal interest but also it would it'd be very good for the mets farm system too so. yeah mm-hmm. especially when they dump everyone for soto in two weeks so yeah that's probably not <laughs> happening but sure let's let's run that. <laughs> <laughs> all right so draft started out pretty normal jackson holiday went number one that's fine Drew Jones went number two, also fine. With the third pick overall, the Texas Rangers selected Kumar Rocker. Whoa. I'm going to get yelled at by Jarrett here, I think. <coughs> but I think this is a stupid pick. Oh, no, I, I can. Oh. This is, yeah, no, Kumar <laughs> Rocker should not be the third pick in this draft. Come on. Like, I, like I, 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 I'm really glad for this kid. He's going to sound like he's going to get like a five to six million dollar bonus, which is considerably under slot. It's considerably under slot for the pick. The Texas Rangers, I mean, yeah, with the third overall pick, with kind of the talent level they have, of course, they should be taking a bigger swing than this this is like a major league ready mid-rotation starter um and they're just I, like i think the injury in concerns there i think the injury concerns are still real though right like we only saw 
four starts in in a whatever league and like uh, that's not enough for me to buy that whatever was wrong is fixed and of course we don't have the medicals or anything and i'm not defending the mets process last year at all but yeah i, I don't i don't <laughs> it's the I, rangers I, I, so i think he was a first round talent but at yeah. three like a huge mm-hmm, stretch mm-hmm. there's yeah, plenty I, of on the board who you could have taken who are major league ready ish and still like just higher ceiling and more just makes more sense at three, you know? In terms of talent, when they drafted, there's probably like eight or nine guys I'd I'd take (laughs) before Rocker. Mm -hmm. I I think you can make the argument he was the best college pitcher. And if you're really set on taking a college pitcher for some reason, Mm -hmm. I guess you can make that argument. But like, again... I, I do not hold the Texas Rangers front office in particularly high esteem at this point. I think John Daniels has basically stayed the same as the rest of the league has passed him by mm-hmm. um, over the course of 12 years now or whatever it's been, um, which took him from a point where at one point he was very far ahead and now he's pretty far behind. And I mean, I think they know. as a team have demonstrably uh, uh, acted as if they think they're better than they are, and and teams should absolutely spend money. But they spent three hundred million dollars on on Corey Seager and another hundred and eighty on Marcus Simeon just so they could win like seventy games, right? Their their farm is they do not have the pieces in place to to be pushing to win now necessarily, and it feels like they're drafting rockers so they can get that pitcher up there real quick. So like that's the sure. only argument for it. I don't. It's it's. Yeah, I mean, I would expect him to be taking rotation turns in August. And yep. Yep. You don't you don't draft for need in the MLB draft. You see, with the Mets, they just you know the Mets have one of the two best prospects in baseball, and it's catcher, and they just floated another catcher to eleven. Like, yep. You know, you, yeah, they, yep. you figure that shit out. <laughs> like, yeah. Is for for lack of a better term, you you draft for the best player who's there, and then you figure out whatever you need to figure out later. Mm-hmm. There's DH now. There's plenty of things you could do with both of them. Who says you can't have two? Features? Particularly given Alvarez's skill set, like having mm-hmm. another like full, you can get his bat in the lineup as a DH. I, I don't know. I, I think particularly given the limitations of Alvarez's game, <clears throat> uh, the idea of a Parada Alvarez tandem <laughs> sounds pretty amazing. Sure. Yeah, like if all goes well and. Uh, Alvarez catches two or three times a week and DHs the rest of them and Parada cat unit catches the rest of them and then you carry like a Tomas Nito like third catcher because you don't need a DH you know what I mean like you could you could get creative with your roster if everything works out the way that you think it is or I I, I know he hasn't um, played other positions but I think athletically Parada would have a chance to play positions like third base or the outfield the secondary positions where Alvarez is like just obviously not Alvarez I think would be stretched at first base um, but I think Parada has a chance to play um, like non-DH positions if mm-hmm. it gets to that point you know like kind of Contreras like yeah, yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't like call like a Dalton Marshall level of versatility yeah. or speed because he's not like that fast or athletic. But I don't think he's necessarily a guy that can't play somewhere else, even if he likes experience. There. I mean, even at the very least, he has the height for first, which uh, yes. Alvarez yeah. does does not. <laughs> yes, but he's 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 got some, you know, 
I think he's got some athleticism and some flex to him if it comes down to it. But, you know, the Mets could also trade one of these guys at some point. Um, one of them could not pan out. Prospects are, don't always pan out like you hope. So, you know, I think we have a fairly high degree of confidence in Francisco Alvarez is going to hit for power as a major leaguer. I'm sure everybody on this podcast does. But you never know. You know, we also mm-hmm. had that level of confidence about Jesus Montero 12 years ago. So mm, Now that's a name. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the next couple of picks were realistic. You know, nothing, no, no stretches of the imagination there. Um, with the seventh pick, the Cubs went with Cade Horton, who had some helium coming in, but I don't think anyone really saw him necessarily as a top ten guy. I don't get this. I mean, it's obviously a cut, but I still don't get it. He he's interesting to me because it's I think this is a product of where the draft takes place now in in the timeline of the league. Like he clearly got the helium because of his late season performance, you know, like the college world series and everything else. And it's pretty interesting that we are getting that for the first time, you know, like normally we, we get, it's the opposite where we are watching the guys, the team picks after the fact in the college world series or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty interesting to me. Like just that this, it happened immediately. The first year that the draft got pushed back, there was a guy who lit the world on fire for, a tournament and here we are yeah i i just want to make my pitch in here like literally everybody that works in or around baseball absolutely hates this and wants them to move the draft back to where it used to be like teams <laughs> yeah. can't adequately prepare for the trade deadline the oh amateur, no it's us yeah the mm-hmm. amateur scouts are split between scouting the 23 guys and remaining 22 guys and then their trade deadline pro coverage um you know it, it's just it's it's not well located for anything other than the ESPN broadcast, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Horton was a, like, I wasn't that. So a lot of teams looked like they um, took shaves in this area. Um, you know, the Rockies at 10 with Gabriel Hughes, mm-hmm. I'm guessing, mm-hmm. is probably a shave, too. Um, I. The more teams do that, the less valuable it is because the more teams like if if you're the Rockies and you shaved with Gabriel Hughes and then like four teams in front of you shaved too, you're having a much harder time getting your guy to the second round. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, they have a comp A pick, so it's not um, quite as difficult for them. But, you know, the more te- it, it's. Like, the more teams do that, the less beneficial it is to do that. So it's, like, a weird, like, non-cooperative game theory problem, almost. Um, so, yeah, I, I I don't know what the Cubs are doing. I don't know what the Cubs are good at and bad at anymore. They see, you know, we were talking about the Texas Rangers being a directionless franchise. I think the Cubs at this point sure look like a directionless franchise, too. After uh, this weekend's series of games, it sure uh, looked that way, yeah. yes. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So Cubs went with Horton. Uh, a couple of picks later, the Rockies at ten went with Hughes. And now with the pick number eleven, there were a bunch of different ways that the Mets could have gone. There were a bunch of pretty good players still left on the board. And the Mets went with Kevin Parada, catcher from Georgia Tech, 
um, who, you know, on a lot of places was considered a top five player. BA had him six in their final final version. So yeah, the Mets the Mets got a uh, pretty solid play here. This is a pretty good hole. This uh, conversation is disturbingly familiar. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like we said the same words almost verbatim last year. <laughs> Great job, guys. Now sign him, please. Please, for the love of God. Or the, please just take some, backup backup pick. take some backup picks at least. <laughs> I think we'll do that this year. They can't possibly <laughs> screw it up the same way. I, I, right? Uh, I mean, they are the Mets. There might, be, there might be a college reliever they really like in the 18th round that they just have to take. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I will say... Um, hey, don't besmirch Trey McLaughlin's name. The recent change to the UDFA rules, back to the old UDFA rules, makes it slightly less necessary because they could just use that money in the undrafted free agent pool if they had to. Mm-hmm. Um Especially because you can now do the undrafted free agent pull a draft and follows. Um, so I think there's like if <laughs> if the Kumar Rocker debacle happened in 2022, even if they hadn't drafted somebody um, as a backup, they still would have found somewhere to stick the money. Um, oh. So the Mets, I guess, got unfortunate that they did that in the wrong year, but also someone in their draft room should have like understood the basic rules and strategy of the major league baseball draft. That's generally a good thing to have. Thank <laughs> in a major league organization. Yeah. Not to rehash things, but it's just such a weird, like what the hell just happened there? I and mean, they've, they've drafted backup guys in the past years going yeah. to the past. Like, just Hunter Barco was the backup yeah. to Matt Allen a few uh-huh. years ago. Yeah. Tannis yeah. just did an oopsie and forgot. Yeah, like how do you do that? Like I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I, I guess I do oopsies at my job too. So who am I? To? <laughs> mm-hmm. Do your oopsies cost a billion-dollar organizations several tens of millions of dollars worth of value? No, no, they didn't. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> I did. I did give the other day though, like twenty thousand dollars in tickets to a place. So I thought that was pretty cool. They did deserve <laughs> it though. <laughs> uh-huh. it no oopsies, like legit. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think we were all hoping that Young would get here, and then Parada was here instead. So uh, that's pretty fun. Young yeah. went next. To, I'm sure. Uh, Ken shed a single tear no, and then no, remembered I'm, I'm we cool drafted Kevin Parada. I'm, I'm cool with this. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things, like, even if we had our guys that we looked at coming in, like, I didn't even think about Parada because I was like, he's not going to be no. there. You know, exactly. like, like I didn't even even consider it a possibility. And then when, once it got to, like, the Twins and it was kind of getting down there and you could kind of see it happening, I was like, are they really going to be able to pull that one up? Like, are they? did they float someone again and it worked? And... Mm-hmm. I mean, here we are, and I'm pretty sure at this point, like, there's not really that question. Like, Rocker had the medical question that people talked about, I think, even before the draft. I kind of remember that. It's a while ago. It's a year ago now. But, uh, like, Prada just doesn't have those question marks where, unless they just are cheap for no reason, like, they they should be able to sign him. And then, 
at that point, why are you even floating him if you're not going to do, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. With the rocker thing, it was the medicals, and the Mets fucked up with that. But that's a different story. Like it would, it would be absolute malpractice if they didn't have a number for him at six p.m. before they even did all of it. Exactly, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, like that. Just that just doesn't happen. Like the last, the last team that actually did this and blew it doing that was Mark Appel the first time he got drafted with the Pirates. <laughs> all right. Um, where, where they just, like, they didn't get the number, and then they didn't give him the number because they didn't have the number. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, the vast majority of these deals are done on the clock uh, or done by the time the pick is made, and a small percentage of them, there's kind of some lesser level of understanding. Um, like, I think it was the case with Khalil Watson last year with the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we don't hear about them until after. But, yeah, I would... I would expect Parada to come in at a significantly above slot bonus. I don't know how high. I have not heard a number yet, but I would expect him to come in with a nice, healthy bonus, and I have no idea how or if they're going to pay for it. By our theory casting, uh, 11th pick slot is 4.7, closer to 4.8 million. He was projected to be top five, which is between six and six and a half million. So looking at a one and a half to two million dollar overage here, or maybe one to two million dollar overage to set the range a little wider, but cover my ass in case I'm wildly wrong. I, I, Noah Schultz just went off at 26. Um, I believe, although this is on mute, that the ESPN broadcast may have just compared Spencer Jones to Shohei Otani. Mm. I, I didn't see that. Yes, <laughs> as, as one does. <laughs> Noted top of the rotation starter Spencer Jones. I mean, one hand. pitch at one point. <laughs> on the one hand, we have quite possibly the greatest player of all time, and on the other hand, we have the twenty-fourth pick in the draft. Yes, these things are comparable. Yeah, uh, especially because like the, the the judge comparison is right there with that at least makes he, a little bit more sense where he went and his height and that he's a big strong boy you know what i mean well like, spencer that, jones Thomas, speaks japanese he's, right he's left-handed oh right of course of course how how dare i <laughs> Jesus. Oh god! Another guy that the Mets were interest, supposedly interested in was Spencer Jones. Um, yeah. Okay. He is a very Yankees pick. Yes. Oh, yeah. This screams Yankees. A very Yankees pick. He's either he's either going to be a 2025 MLB All Star or he's going to strike out 200 times in high A next year. There's a possibility it's both. <laughs> get somewhere in the middle and get Estevan Florial or something like that. But I mean, same yeah. thing, just two levels higher. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yep. So after Parada was selected, um, Jace Young was selected by the Detroit Tigers. Zach Neto was selected by Angels. And then at 14, the Mets pick again. And they selected uh, shortstop Jet Williams out of Rockwall Heat High School in Texas. This is a guy that had been connected to the Mets in the past. We talked to him a little bit prior to tonight and i think we all are in agreement pretty solid pick here i'd love it yeah i'm the low guy on him and i think he's like i don't think he sucks you know what i mean like he's definitely four in the system and like is a talented player and i see a major league future for him it's just i want to watch more of him to see why i don't see the rest of it but i probably will get there like i'm just using it as a learning experience it's it's called personal growth my friends Mm mm-hmm Speaking of personal growth, Jet Williams is five foot eight. <laughs> no, quote not. unquote. <laughs> five foot eight and spikes. Maybe. See, I mean, uh, that really is the biggest knock against him. And we were talking about it earlier, you know, um, the, the bias against shorter players. And is it really something that really makes too much of a difference nowadays anyway with so many shorter with so many shorter players you know having become productive and very productive major league players so i mean but you know i i will say the last draft guy who had this general kind of profile and went five spots eight spots lower than people thought because of his height was corbin carroll um, you know, he, he, you heard the same things about Corbin Carroll that you hear about Judd Williams. Um, and I am actually not particularly high on Corbin Carroll as a prospect. If you've listened to our podcast or read some of the stuff I've looked, uh, written recently, I still think Corbin Carroll's one of the 10 or 15 best prospects in baseball, but you know, I think there's some potential to make for Williams to make that kind of jump over the course of the next few years uh because if you hit like corbin and carol's hit in the minors people stop caring about your height really quickly yeah also the way that carol's flaw the, the not hitting like you're not gonna be able to really pick that up in high school i don't think right like if you're not hitting breaking balls and first of all how many break good breaking balls are you seeing in high school yeah. and second of all if you're not see, hitting the breaking balls you see in high school you're not a top prospect anyway so like yeah, there's no I, way to Jeff see Williams, that. Right, Jeff Williams had really good zone contact numbers on the mm-hmm. showcase scene, so mm-hmm. you wouldn't think that's going to be an issue for him. But yeah, that's not something that would manifest until like double A anyway, exactly. most of the time. I was afraid you were gonna go further back and start talking about like Forest Wall or Delino De Shields Jr. Oh, like these other no. second base outfield types with speed. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, and I you know I don't know where the Mets are going to play Williams. He's worked out as both an infielder and outfielder. I don't know a lot of people who think he's a shortstop. I think most people generally have him either as a second baseman or a center fielder. Maybe there's a few people who have him as third baseman. Um, but I, oh, third base, really. 
This, I mean, yeah. the 60 yard dash time is kind of nutty. So you would think yeah. center field would make sense. Now, who knows mm-hmm. if he has good reads or whatever, but yeah, I, I, I would not be surprised if he ended up in center field. Um, as Corbin Carroll plays center field. No, this is not a Corbin Carroll, Jet Williams comp. It's just, it's a similar player. All right, so the Mets have drafted Corbin Carroll, everyone. Write it down. (laughs) Yes, the Mets Mets drafted Gary Carter and Corbin Carroll. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Do we think they're, uh, between the two first-round picks, do we think they're over-slot or under-slot? Oh. On aggregate. Over. I mean, Parada is a draft-eligible sophomore, so he does have some leverage that he can go back to school, obviously. Yeah. I I would guess they're probably on aggregate about 1.5 million over. This is this is a complete guess. I do not actually have inside information on that. I know numbers are leaking out. I looked. I looked. I asked a couple people. I did not get any. Um, Feedback on that. I don't know why that is. The Mets just might. I would. It wouldn't shock me if the Mets were just really tight-lipped about all this because of what happened last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if they were planning to ambush everybody by blowing the pool, they would also act in this way. So I don't. I don't know. It, it's don't. I, don't do my that, gut Jerry. is they're not blowing the pool. I think we would probably know if they were blowing the pool. I also think they probably would have tried to float somebody better than Joe Williams at fourteen if they were doing that. Although again, this organization absolutely loves Jet Williams. Right. That was one. That was. Outside of guys right at the top of the draft, that was one of the most frequent and strongest connections we'd been hearing going back to, like, the actual Texas high school baseball season in, like, March and April. Like, the Mets just had tremendous heat on Jeff Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned this on uh, Jeffrey and I's podcast, but the Mets historically have almost always drafted the guy that they've had the earliest and heaviest heat on, and that was Jet Williams. uh, Real, uh, not not so uh, not so good with the discretion there, are they? I mean, it's you know, it's hard to right not be. There's teams that are like you know more. there's teams that are very secretive about it. The Mets are not the Baltimore Orioles in terms of their secretness, but they, you know, they kept the Prada interest. I, I don't recall the Mets were connected to a lot of guys with those picks. And if I heard Prada's name, I don't remember it publicly or privately. Um, that was not a player that they were connected uh, with really at all. Just from the names I remember seeing there, I've seen Crawford, Lauder, Suzak. Young, yeah. um, I'm forgetting some name. Porter, did I say Porter already? Like Nato. Yeah, um, yeah, yep. yeah. He was a big one. Um, they were connected with floating Elijah Green to that pick. Um, that was yeah, they I didn't. That seemed a little ambitious. I I don't think it's any more ambitious than floating Parada, to be honest. I also don't like Elijah Green that much, but. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a top ten prospect, but he's not the one I would pick in this draft. He's extremely Nats, though. That's for sure. Oh, well, very, very. Do, do you mean that the Nats like to draft guys that swing and miss at high fastballs, and usually can't get them to stop swinging and missing at high fastballs? I mean, whatever, whatever team the, they assign Green and House to, that BP is going to be a hell of a lot of fun, and then there'll be some uh, weather pattern changes during the game. 
Yeah, I mean, I not that the Mets are the team to develop that trait. Oh, no. either, <laughs> also, the, the weird part about that is all of the teams that would that would be best at developing that trade out are the same teams that are just not going to draft the guy in the first place. Right. Because those, you know, like the Dodgers were never, Dodgers are not going to draft Elijah Green. Dodgers are never going to be in a position to draft Elijah Green. No. Um, everybody thinks they're taking that Juco arm. That, um, they apparently were not particularly subtle in hiding interest on um, Jacob Jacob something or other, Miser Ruitz or something. Uh, Jacob, extre- Jacob extremely polish. Um, <laughs> Mizioroski? No kidding, yeah, extremely sure. polish. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that the Mets were... It would have been really fun to see Elijah Green in the Mets system. I think Kevin Prada is a much more realistic guy for them to develop into a good major league player. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I where do you think they put both of them, assuming they sign them, uh, in the oh system? God, put them in. Put put Parada in Brooklyn so that roster's please. not so bleary. Please, please. Yeah, I think there's a pretty good <laughs> chance Parada goes to Brooklyn after you know he might do like a stint in the complex league. Sure. Um, I would guess Jets in the complex league for the rest of the year. I think yeah, there's an outside I, chance he sees low A. Um, you know, like Riley Green saw low A as draft year, so it's not like totally out of the realm of possibility. But uh, there's no happy league or penalty to send these guys to anymore, which is bad. There should be. But um, that kind of makes the assignments a lot easier. Like they're not – you know, if we're doing Brooklyn must win, they're going to send them to high A now. They're not going to send them to short season. So. Mm. It's at least a semi-appropriate. I mean, that's an appropriate level, honestly, I think, for Parada. Like, putting him in St. Yeah. Lucie would be an absolute fucking mm-hmm. joke. Like, mm-hmm. he, I, I, he would I, hit, like, I, fucking 500. Like. <laughs> I think there's an argument to get him into pro ball rather lightly. He is a college catcher. Georgia Tech had a long season. I don't think you even need to have him catch, though. Just, like, let him DH for yeah. a month in, in Brooklyn and, and then worry about catching through instructs and into next season. But I'm not an expert on developing it, catchers. The Mets last drafted... Uh, when was the last time the Mets drafted a college position player in the first round? Was it actually Conforto? Was it Conforto? Uh, match draft history. Yeah, because Conforto, then we had the next year was Justin Dunn and Anthony Kay, then the next year is Peterson, then the next year is Kalanick, then yeah. Beatty. So yeah. we yeah. don't, and I mean, their entire player development staff has changed since then. Um, Conforto, they sent to, Conforto signed right near the deadline, even though he had a deal done, which is one of the great mysteries of Mets prospect lore that I don't <laughs> think I'll ever get answered publicly. Um, <laughs> if I, I, I vaguely remember that, and I think it was comical. What, supposedly, the accident, the, yes, I think everybody yeah. on this podcast knew the reason. <laughs> um, anyway, um, and then they sent him to Brooklyn for the rest of the season, if I recall. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah. So, again, that level doesn't exist anymore. And if Jeff Wilpon also doesn't exist in their decision-making process anymore, so I don't really think they give a shit whether Brooklyn wins. Am I allowed to curse on this? If not, leave that out. Sorry. <laughs> um, Michael yeah, Conforto went to Brooklyn and hit 331, 403, 448 for 200 players. He was real fun there. 
that that's that's some useful experience I like really remember like just watching him there and going like what is this guy doing here like when yeah. they sent Pete Alonso there like Pete Alonso like really should have been there I think I saw a Pete Alonso game uh like I don't remember whether it was with Steve or Kenny but it was definitely like I think one of you guys and it was just like what is he doing it was like he he had a real bad swing at that time like he needed yes. to be in Jersey right. to adjust to Wood bats and pro pitching. I Conform- don't think Kevin Parado is going to really need that level. And if you're trying to do that level now to the complex league, and like, there's an argument to put him there for a week or two just to adjust them. But yeah, I, I would probably try to get him to high A by like August 1st if I could. Yep. I agree. I mean, they're playing Lakewood the 23rd to 28th, so. He should oh, be there that, by then. That, that would be, yeah. <laughs> that would be optimal. Oh, yeah, I really hope so. I don't know. We got Hudson Valley coming in a couple weeks again, which means I get to see Jason Dominguez. That's going to be a Oh, circuit. boy. J- oh, Jason Dominguez boy. playing close to New York. It's going to be a circus. After hitting a home run in Futures, it's going to be mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, so, I mean, the, the draft, it, it's moving at a snail's pace here. Obviously, we're not going to have time to, you know, we're not staying up to midnight to cover the uh, second round or the second, uh, their second, their, their free agent compensation pick. So, they're not, uh, they're only doing three picks tonight, right? They're getting to 52, but not, um, no, they picked four times today. They picked yeah, four, four times tonight. Shows mm-hmm. how much attention I'm paying. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're all up to 28. Jesus Christ. This, yeah, this is gonna go until like 1 a.m. What yeah. do they? I, don't they speed up the clock uh, after a certain amount of picks? I don't know if they do. Yeah. Are they gonna do it on the first? Do they? Oh, I think God. they. Drop I think it. Um, I when, do, when think is they ESPN? Like stop, yeah, I think they like stop actually paying attention to every pick on the TV broadcast at some point. Yeah. Uh, so I think ESPN is gonna stop doing after the first round in the comp rounds. Doris mm. uh, and. Stop me if this is the raziest thing you've ever heard. Just took a 240-pound high school yep. first baseman. <laughs> Excuse me? Xavier Isaac. I know. I know. You're ta- what, what? Why would they do that? Praise, man. Turn them I don't. <laughs> okay. I was looking actually at the. Uh, I mean, I was going to ask everyone like, do you have a favorite non-Met pick in this, in the draft so far? Um, I was trying to look into this guy the Brewers picked because they've been doing interesting thing and the things in the draft recently. But you know, taking a big, we love our big chunky boys on this podcast, you know. So go mm-hmm. Rays. <laughs> Mine's got to be Brendan Berea going in the first because I thought he was good this whole time. Yep, <laughs> you're right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I, he went to Toronto, so we'll, let's not talk about their uh, pitching development. But uh, Let's not <laughs> talk about Schultz going to the White Sox either. I know. I, I really like Neto at 13. Um, I mm-hmm. tweeted that I was hoping the Nets would get him at 11. I think Parada is a better pick than he is, but it's close. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, again, you look at a combination of power and contact, um, even though the swing is uh, unusual. Um, I made the uh, I know it's not like the exact same thing, but I got like Trey Sweeney ish 
vibes, honestly. Like analytic darling with a weird swing. That I, I would compare him more um, less Trey Sweeney and more um, great. I'm going to blank on the name. Colton Kowser, the kid the Orioles took at five. I also year. love Colton Kowser. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I love Colton Kowser. Aren't they teammates? Yeah. Um, yes. Bowser played for Sam Houston State, and Neto played oh, for Campbell. Campbell, Campbell. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that, I thought you were right there, Ken. Honestly, it's great that I can remember that information at instant recall, and can't remember what I had for like breakfast. <laughs> Listen, these are the lives that we've chosen. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, obviously, there's there there are so many more picks. And these picks are going to have an impact on, you know, the totality of the draft. But how would you grade what the Mets did tonight with the first round? A plus. I mean, it's hard to yeah. it's hard to not say a they they floated a top five pick to 11, <laughs> you know, like that's just you're going to you're going to get a good grade from that no matter what, really. Yep. Yeah, I would, yeah, very I would happy with this. say this is better than you could have reasonably expected them to have done coming into that. So. Okay, also big news from Tim Healy is that okay. new Mets prospect Jet Williams, the number 14 overall pick, is a Long Islander. He lived in oh, Port Jeff no. two to four before moving to Texas. God <laughs> so a, damn it. A five, foot kid, five foot six kid that moved from Long Island to Texas. To Texas. Yeah. The, the, uh, there's a certain group of Mets fandom that's just going to absolutely love this kid. We're going to hear about it every every time he's yes, like that now. Yes, we're going to the, – the Jet Williams stand squad is already forming. <laughs> the, only, the only mild criticism, and I'm not even sure this is a criticism, and also I guess it depends what they're planning to do with the rest of their pool, which we'll find out. Would you have preferred – and this is a question for everyone Collier, – Collier, whatever, to Williams? I don't. I that's that's. I don't know how I feel about Collier. I know that sounds like a cop out, but, but I, I particularly am fond of Collier, having followed him yeah. all year. So mm-hmm. yeah, but, you have. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think Collier is a slightly better prospect than Williams. I know people that disagree with that. I don't mm-hmm. think that's a sure shot either way. Um, it mostly comes you, down to breath. Yeah, um, it mostly comes down to what traits you're looking for. I mean, look, if you put what um, Cam Collier's done in a analytic context that's especially focused on, like, more basic analytic stats and, like, age relative as opposed to, like, heavy batted ball data, you know, you're going to come out with the idea that Collier is one of the best draft prospects in, like, recent memory. He mm-hmm. um, excelled in both the toughest JUCO competition and the Cape Cod League as a young 17-year-old, which is, like, actually the type of thing that breaks those kinds of draft models. Right. Um, because it's, like, just something you're not supposed to do. Uh, there's some concerns there about, like, how hard he hits the ball and that kind of stuff. Um, I would probably on balance prefer Collier slightly as a prospect. I think he's probably going to be a little higher on the one-on-one depending on what they do the rest of their, um, campaigns and what like their fall looks and that kind of stuff is. 
Um, but you know, if they're not, Collier is getting a suit, the, uh, a significant over slot bonus from since he, since he has extra picks. Right. Um, right. You know, I think that bonus is going to be well above 5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to be around what I think Parada and Collier are probably getting similar size bonuses. If you add that up, the Mets at that point would have either been doing five to six figure senior signs the rest of the way or blowing the pool. Um, so if they were going to blow the pool, I would have taken Collier, but I still think it's kind of close. If they wanted to just have an overslot first pick and maybe a little bit under slot second pick and then save some money in like the sixth or tenth, they had to take Jack. So. Mm-hmm. That seems reasonable. I mean, both of them strike me as guys with huge blow-up potential, right? Like, it feels like every year there's a pick in the teens that winds up, I don't know, like a top 50 name or something, so. Yeah. Um, and the Mets have infrequently actually went after that those guys. They've tended mm-hmm. to um, draft a little more for upside with, like, their second and third round picks than yeah. their first round picks. Uh, so, yeah, I think the... I think the Mets did a really good job here, um, at least within the confines of what they're doing. And I don't think Collier would have significantly moved that. Um, if you talk to an if you talk to an amateur draft analyst from certain teams, they will tell you that Collier was the best player in the draft. Though, so you can get a dissenting opinion on that if you want. <laughs> All right, so, I mean, I think we're all in agreement. Pretty solid haul the Mets got tonight, and, you know, we'll, we'll see Just what don't they do. Don't fuck it up now, please. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, we've been here, like, <laughs> like you alluded to earlier, we've been here in the past, so. They can't uh, keep getting away with it. Sorry, go on, Steve. <laughs> All right, so if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. Thomas is at ZedMetSeason, SZN. And Jarrett is at J Seidler. And I'm Seidler. Oh, excuse me. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I do not have Jay Seidler. I signed up for Twitter too late on what is definitely my first account. I have never <laughs> had previous accounts. <laughs> um, while you're here, you know, obviously, senior prospect, uh, evaluator, baseball prospectus from all you kids out there, podcast, uh, anything else you want to plug while you are here? Oh, no. Those are those are the main ones. I write weekly at BP. I would assume anybody listening to a Mets Prospect podcast probably knows who I am already. Yes, so, that yeah. that Venn diagram is. Just- <laughs> yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> just a concentric circle. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So subscribe to the podcast or get your podcast from rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we'll be back tomorrow night to review the rest of the Mets first round, well, the, the rest of night one of the draft, and then uh, second afternoon, which is picks three through 11. So till then, love the Mets, love the Mets.